You've tuned into Omega Church. We are a people hungry to encounter God through worship and His Word, being witnesses to the world around us. We pray this teaching blesses you and trust God will reveal Himself to you in a new way today. And if you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or to find out more about Omega, head to our website or Facebook page through the links below. Hallelujah. How many of you are blessed through worship this morning? Amen, amen. That's a lively worship, eh? Praise God. We praise God for his presence and his glory that was here. So <clears throat> we have done a lot of the scriptures we have done in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I just thought we need to know who we are in Christ. So I want to title this series as uh, Who Am I? Today is part one. And tomorrow, next week, it will be part two. Uh, maybe not next week. We have uh, Easter service, so the following week, it will be part two. So I just wanted to go through to discover who we are in Christ Jesus. What is our identity? How should we then live? If, who we are, if we are children of God, how should we live? So it may not look very great sounding today because it is very foundational, very minimal, certain things I want to clear. So someone might ask me, who are you? Ask me the question. I say, my name is Ramana. Oh, you will say, that's your name. That's not who you are. You say, who are you? I say, I'm a pastor. Oh, that's what you do. That's not who you are. You say, oh, I am from India. Oh, that says your geographical location, but it is not you. So anything that you talk about yourself, that's not the real you. But who is the real you? Who is the real you? Who is the real I? It is the spirit man that's within me. That's the real I. And that spirit man has received, was made in the image of God. Everybody say made in the image of God. So who are you? Very good. So as uh, many people say, I mean, particularly this uh, very used sentences, I am a spirit. I have a soul, I live in a body. If somebody asks who are you, you can say, I am a spirit, I have a soul, I live in a body. You can be tall, you can be short, you can be fair, you can be dark, it is not going to make that difference at all. That's not you. It is not, that's not going to define you. Many times people think that what you do defines you. You can be a mechanic. And you can be a welder, you can be a tailor, you can be uh, a shop owner, you can be anything. But that's not you. That's what you do. But many times what happens is that mentality is taken over into the spiritual realm. And you define yourself by what you do. Because you sin, you think you are a sinner. Because you sin, you think you are a sinner. Because you are a sinner, you sin. This is how you get confused with identity. And then what happens is you will keep sinning because you think, because I sin, I am a sinner. Because I am a sinner, I sin. And it goes on that cycle. This is the devil's trap into which he puts Christians and non-Christians, everybody into the same slot. So what is the way out? Way out is to know who you are. If you call upon the name of Jesus, John, uh, John 1.12, those who believed in him, he gives them the right to be called 
sons of God, daughters of God. That's what your identity is. If you believe in Jesus and say, Jesus, come into my heart, what language is used, how, how intensely you feel or less intensely you feel, it's just a cerebral exercise, you just say it with your mind, Jesus, come into my heart, that same moment, whether you feel or you don't feel, you become a son and a daughter of God. Many times we think that it has to be followed by some emotion. You need to feel some emotion. Something you must see big light and you must fall down. No, none of these things are required. It just has to say with my heart, all my heart, I receive you into my heart. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. The moment you say it, you become a son of God, a daughter of God. Is anybody excited? You can say amen. No one knows you better than yourself. You say, tell your neighbor, no one knows you better than yourself. So many times, people may think they have everything in life. The English, in English we say, he has everything together. Here is a man, here is a woman who has everything together. So there was a time a, a young girl went to a counselor. And she was hardly 17 years of age, but she was a star. She was a model, and she was making millions of dollars. She was beautiful, and um, everything is going good for her. But when she went to the counselor, the counselor said, are there nights when you cry? Are there nights when you cry? Um, you wish you were somebody else. You are receiving this attention, you are receiving this praise from the people, you are receiving money, you are receiving influence, you are receiving um, uh, recognition in the, in the society, but that is not enough for you. People say you are beautiful, people say you are accomplished, you have been successful, but you are crying in the nights. And she asked the counselor, how do you know? How do you know? He said, when people think they have got everything together, they are the most lonely people. People who have everything going good for them are lonely people. Even though you're surrounded by people, even though the cameras are on you, focused on you, and you are on flashing out on different channels on the TV, you can be still lonely. You can be still lonely because you need to know who you are. Until you know who you are, you will be in this trouble. It's the same about people in Hollywood, Bollywood, Tollywood, whatever wood, Nollywood, different people. It doesn't matter. You, you can be president, you can be prime minister, you can be defense minister, you can be any kind of a position you may be holding in, in, in the society. Still, you can be lonely. And many times, people are more controlling, particularly the people in the higher up politically, they exercise more control on the people because they are fearful inside. They are afraid when they will lose their position. They are afraid when somebody is going to kill them. They are afraid when they are going to be replaced by somebody else in that same place. So they don't want to lose their place. They put a lot of control. Not a fly can do its business without their permission. I don't want to name any country, particular country. Every country has people. Every country has people in the top who are fearful 
and they use ruthless power to control everything that happens in the country. Media is under control, everything under under control. You cannot say a word against them and get away because they are full of fear. But the gospel of Christ is different. The gospel of Christ is different. It it gives us unconditional love of God. Unconditional acceptance from God. And when you have this, you will find yourself. When you experience the unconditional love of God, it doesn't put any conditions. If if you do this, if you do that, you, you say this, you give this, then I'm going to accept it. No, God's love is unconditional. Just come to him as you are, just as you are. And when you come to him, you may be lost, but you will find yourself. That's the first step to recovery is to come back to God and accept his unconditional love. Many people, they, they, uh, they are used to giving things to people, not receiving things from anyone. And such mentality, you will not receive from God because you want to give to God, but not receive from God. I tell you, blessed are those who receive. Blessed are those who receive. You need to have a grace to receive. When you come to God, you must have a grace to receive. You cannot dictate terms to God. This is how you will do it. No. You will have to say, God, you tell me, I will do it. So what is the perspective of the world? The world will look at you and they equate your good looks to happiness. Your relationships to different people, you are connected to big people, then they say, oh, you are somebody because you know this great man, you know this great lady, because of that your identity is defined by whom you know. Sometimes it's defined by your job. You are a general manager of a company and you've got more influence, more recognition, more appreciation. Or it can be your bank balance. I have got um, $34 million in my account. You will feel great. Somebody may say, I got 100 million in my account. They'll feel more great. But I tell you, that's not your identity. That will not take you to that full satisfaction in life that you are looking for. Only when you are found in Jesus Christ, you are longing for identity will be satisfied. That's the only place. That's the only place you will know yourself. The only identity equation that works in God's kingdom is you plus Christ equals wholeness and meaning. What did I say? You plus Christ that equals wholeness and meaning. Now the question is, are you just you? Are you you plus Christ? You have to decide. You can come to a church for 20 years and still be you, not plus Christ. So you need to decide, I am in Christ. And then you have wholeness and meaning. So why do so many believers struggle with their identity, security, significance, sense of worth, and spiritual maturity? Some of them are deceived by Satan. Say, deceived by Satan. Now, Satan comes and talks to you in different ways. He will put certain thought in your mind and make you believe that it's your thought. There was one, one young girl said, I am evil. 
When she came to a counselor, she said, I'm evil. So the counselor looked at her and said, she's so beautiful. She, she's so beautiful. Why does she th think she's evil? So he asked her, is that what you believe? She said, yes. But he ran through scriptures to, she, he told her certain things and he helped her to reverse the image. The image is given to her because the devil whispered in ear that she's evil. So don't listen to the devil. If you are hearing voices, don't listen to the voice of the devil. He will ruin you by his voice. Sometimes he will not, you will not hear audible voice or anything. You will think continuously something about yourself. I'm a failure. I'm no good. I'll amount to nothing. You keep on saying those words, they will come to pass. Why? Devil will make sure it is going to come to pass. So when you think, you are thinking negative thoughts, immediately compose yourself, stand up, and shake your fist in the face of the devil and tell him, get out from here. I don't need to hear your voice anymore. I don't need your free service. You know, he gives it free, you know. <laughs> so you need to be very, very clear about this. And some people have got satanic oppression. I, we are seeing this week after week after week. People are calling us saying, will you please pray for us? We need to be delivered. Who are you? I am a Christian for 40, 50 years. What do you do? Oh, we pray for people for healing, deliverance. You preach the gospel. So what is your problem? Satan having a stronghold in my life. Since how long? Oh, from my teenage years, I am a slave to certain sin. I am not able to come out of it. How old are you? I am 85 years old. Does it make sense? Somebody can be a Christian for so long and still be under bondage. They need to know the identity and they should be able to stand up and resist the sin and yield to Christ, submit to Christ, and then they will be set free 100%. So what we are doing, when we say deliverance is, it means for anybody, if you think you are oppressed by Satan, if you think there's a stronghold in your life, if you think you are being tormented by demons, if you think you have got anxiety and fear, and if you think you have got uh, nightmares in, in the night, and whatever is that is troubling you and is making your life unpleasant, you know that your ha the hand of Satan is in your life. If you've got nightmares, your relationships are disturbed, you're, you're, I mean, you're threatened, and uh, divorce is on the doorstep, and your finances are in ruin, you're not able to hold a job, and you're not able to have a good relationship with people, and you don't get along well with your children, don't get along with your parents, whatever is happening, devil's finger is there, and needs to be thrown out. And if you cannot do yourself, we are here to help you. Don't feel ashamed about it. Because God has put his image in you. And devil wants to distort that image. He is in the business of distorting that image. To give you a poor image. A negative image. And we want to cast that fellow out in the name of Jesus. By the finger of God. Not by our strength. By the finger of God. By the power of God. We want to set you free. But when you know your identity, you will be able to stand up and say, devil out. You are not my master anymore. That is how you do it. Don't listen to devil. Tell your neighbor, don't listen to devil. Don't form your opinions based on what he tells you. There was a, 
famous, uh, a famous man who was a, uh, a, a, a whatever it is. He was into psychoanalysis and you know, teaching people uh, many things. But he was an atheist or he was an agnostic. His name is Carl Jung. So when people came to his, into his clinic, they come with various kinds of needs, various kinds of needs. But he is an agnostic. He did not believe in God. But what he found one thing in the, all his clients is, those clients who had faith in God were doing better than those who did not have faith in God. So he said, this, this is what he said, I'm not saying, okay, this is what he said. <laughs> Don't misquote me later. This is what he said. Finest, a finite must have an infinite reference point. We are all finite people. We need an infinite reference point. When you have, when the finite has the infinite reference point, you do well in this world. Whatever troubles come in your life, you will do better than the one who has no God. You will do better than those who, know, who have no God in their life. That's why the first step is to believe in God. Second step is to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior of your life. And to become his son and child of God. And then you will be able to win. Many times what Satan does is, he will take things that you have done in the past, the actions that you have done, and tell you that is what who you are. Okay, you have done that. Did you steal from the shop? Yeah, you did. He will remind you again and again, and tell you that you are a thief. But you, you must be able to say at one point, that was, I did not doing now. I did it, but not now. Jesus has forgiven me. He has given me a new identity. I am his son. I am his daughter. Once I met a young girl and um, uh, I was interviewing her and making a report about, about her and she stole things from the shop. I said, who are your parents? Where are they? They are in the United States. What do they do? My father is into software engineer and my mother is into some uh, big position like a doctor or something. So do you, do you receive money? Do they support you? He said, yeah, every month they send me money. So do you lack anything? He said, no. Why do you steal? Just like that. I'm bored. I'm bored. So I just go. She was not caught for five times she, when she stole things, she was not caught. Sixth time she was caught. And when she was caught, the police uh, interrogated her. She confessed to all the other five as well, which they were not in the record at all that she has stolen anything anywhere because she was not caught before. So the, my point I'm trying to say is, when you don't have God, you will be bored. When you don't have Jesus in your life, you will have no reference to live your life. You don't know how to live. You don't know who you are. That's the reason why you need being a finite being. You must have an infinite reference point. If that infinite reference point is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you, are, you have wholeness and meaning in this life. We see ourselves as failures that cause us to fail more. We sin, so we see ourselves as sinners which causes us to sin more. We believe that what we do defines who we are. Then that cycle keeps on going. You don't believe that what you do is what defines you. 
don't go by what profession you do you are a teacher you are a doctor it's just a means of live livelihood don't worry about it that's not your real you your real you is made in the image of god once a philosopher by name francis schaeffer he was a christian apologist and a, a philosopher uh, when he was having a meeting people were coming young fellows were coming and one young uh, 17 year old kid he looked at him and gave him a big smile and he said why did you smile at me he was puzzled the stranger is looking at him and smiling why are you smiling so don't stop smiling at people okay because somebody may ask why are you smiling at me and he said because you are made in the image of god because you are made in the image of god i tell you this is the biggest secret to knowing who you are that you are made in the image of god and when you look at a leper when you look at a beggar when you look at somebody who is disadvantaged in the society they are made in the image of god and that is what makes you to reach out to them to lift them from the place why there are missionaries why there are so many christian institutions trying to provide food trying to provide a coffee or a meal or build hospitals in in some countries where they are underprivileged why do they do it because they want to restore this image that into which they were made the world does not know it but we know it but sometimes we behave as if we don't know the truth you turn your blind eye to the needs and walk away don't do that when you see a need stop by and say what can i do because i see the image of god being attacked by the devil the greatest missionary inspiration that will ever come to you in your heart is when you see people as made in the image of god who we are should define what we do tell your neighbor who we are should define what we do what do i mean that what do i mean by that when you believe that you are the child of god then you will should act like a child of god when you believe you are a christian you must walk like a christian talk like a christian think like a christian that's the reason why we say come to the bible study we are learning from romans chapter 6 how we are dead in christ buried with him raised up with him and how we have to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to god how we are to yield our members as instruments of righteousness but not unrighteousness and please come to the bible study because when you live, let this word of god go deep into your spirit you will not be the same because the word has power to change you and to bless you okay so let's come back to the same definition who are you i am a spirit I have a soul, I live in a body. Let's say it again. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. So in the theological schools there are two kinds of views. Some people think man is bipartite. That means he's only two parts. You got a body, spirit slash soul. That's one unit. Only two parts they think. that's why this, these people call them as bipartite two parts and another school they say they are tripartite tripartite is you are three parts you have a spirit you have a soul you have a body i don't want to discuss too much about it but with all my years of experience i have come to one conclusion 
tripartite explains better the human condition and your struggles and your your questions more than the bipartite because at some point bipartite what happens is you will have to somehow believe that you are a spirit and you are a body but that that spirit doesn't have full explanation about your emotions intellect will power it doesn't explain it has to superimposed it has to be stuck upon it why do you want to stick upon it to make it three parts is easy to understand is easy to understand you are explaining to people who are villagers who never went to school how are you going to explain you don't confuse them you say man is spirit soul and body it should be that order first spirit then you got a soul then you got a body don't say i'm a body i have a soul i live in a sp- i am a spirit no that's the reversal is not going to help so keep that order in mind so in genesis chapter 1 verses 26 27 when god said let us make man in our own image in his image he created him male and female he created them in his image he created them male and female when first god created adam he was spiritually alive and physically alive let's say those two words physically alive and spiritually alive but when he was told not to eat the fruit and when he ate the fruit when he committed sin what happened was he was physically alive spiritually dead what happened by disobedience he was physically alive spiritually dead was the physically alive forever no he lived for few hundreds of years and died it was delayed death has struck him it just took some time to be seen and we as children of god are inheriting that physically dead spiritually dead environment and we live for a short while and then we die if we don't believe in jesus we are going to be spiritually dead physically dead so the what is the way out the way out is god himself has made the, made the provision if you believe in jesus you are forgiven washed in his blood and you become a child of god then once the moment the moment you believe in jesus like the thief on the cross never had much time he never had much time but the spirit that was dead became alive when he told jesus remember me in your kingdom remember me in your kingdom he did not say i'm sorry he did not say forgive my sin he did not say i believe you are dying for me none of those things he said but he said remember me in your kingdom how you relate to god god knows your heart what you are actually meaning to say he told the other thief hey we deserve what we what we are going through here because of what we have done but this man he has not done anything that deserves him to be put on the cross in that he said i am a sinner but he is not a sinner and when he looked to christ and said remember me in your kingdom what he was saying is i don't deserve it i know you you are from a different kingdom you don't belong to this kingdom in that kingdom is life and you are the one who can give life and remember me in your kingdom and what did jesus say today you will be with me in paradise where christ is is going to be there so other things that we had to learn is one of the um, one of the things that we had to learn is that when god created adam and of course he found it's all good but later he found he's alone and he made eve for him and brought him to him and looked at her he said bone of my bones flesh of my flesh he started singing and said he she's a, um, a woman you know because she's taken out of man 
But when he made Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion. What did he give him? Dominion. Everybody say again, dominion. So dominion is complete control over the whole world. Every create, everything that's created, the whole earth, the whole planet, he was given dominion to rule and to cultivate it, to maintain it, to subdue it. He was given authority. Where was Satan at that time? Was he on the earth? He was. Even though Satan was there on earth, and God made Adam and put him there and gave him dominion, and expected him to continue in the dominion. But what did, what did devil do? He said, I am going to take away the dominion, because he doesn't have dominion. He doesn't have power over the earth. If you are living in a kingdom where you have no power, what you will try to do, you will try to kill the king and then you will take it over. That's what the devil did. He said, I will destroy this man made in the image of God. I will make him do what he should not be doing. And he made him eat the fruit. First he tempted Eve. She ate the fruit and then gave it to Adam. And he ate the fruit. Sin was complete. Until then, he, even though they did not wear clothes, they did not feel they were naked. But then when he ate the fruit, both of them felt naked. And the need to cover themselves with fig leaves. They covered them with the leaves. So there's so much more to talk about it. But I, I think it's a restraint on time. So what we have to learn is that dominion was usurped by Satan. He took over by making him sin. Adam lost the dominion. Adam lost the dominion because he yielded, he obeyed Satan, and Satan became the king of this world. But that's not a very that there should not be a very hopeless ending for at least in a message. We know that Jesus came according to the promise, and he came and crushed Satan's head. He defeated him on the cross. He took took away the weapons in which he trusted. He paralyzed him. He struck him down on the ground. He crushed his head. Completely defeated him. That's the reason why when we worship God, we need to worship him with all our spirit, with all our strength, with all our soul. And I tell you, when you do that, you will be strong. Worship is not an extra. If you have time, you do it. Otherwise, you don't do it. It's not that. Worship should be the essence of your existence. It should be all the time praising him. Worshipping him, saying, holy, 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 you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. Lord, you are worthy to open the books, the seals. And you are the one who is guiding the whole universe to a particular end. And you are the king of kings, lord of lords. I worship you. I thank you because you have loved me and you have shown me your mercy. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. This has to be a continuous one. Every time you find some time, say, you are holy, you are holy, you are holy. And I tell you, that summarizes the best way you can ever worship God is to say He is holy, He is holy, He is holy. You want to feel power of God in your life? Say He is holy. Say it for 30 minutes on your knees and worship Him. Put your crown before Him. You say, I have no crown, then you are the most poor sinner in the world. If you are a believer, you got a crown. Cast it at His feet 
and worship him that is how the 24 elders are doing that is how the four living creatures are doing that is how the whole heaven those who wash their robes in the blood of the lamb are doing casting their crowns before him saying you are holy you are holy you are holy you are worthy you are worthy you are worthy that is your identity that is who you are made in the image of god given dominion now the dominion is lost is not lost forever christ is restoring the dominion has restored the dominion i would say i should say past tense restore the dominion you, when you know that your dominion is restored you will walk in power and you will show the devil his place and that is what god's purpose is for each one of us the question is what is your view of yourself are you deriving your identity from the bank balance from education social position your connections to big people where is your identity or is it in jesus christ of nazareth it is you and christ that's it nothing more you plus christ should be your identity and when you have that identity you are a child of god your dominion is restored you have power against the force of darkness and you will prevail you will prevail in heaven you have got access to go to god and on earth you will be ruling and you will be under the under the earth you will have rule you will have authority on the gates of hell you will shake the gates of hell if you look at samson's life he was trapped in a city and they kept watch on him because they wanted to kill him but in the middle of the night he woke up and took the gates shook the gates the bronze gates and pulled them put on his shoulders and walked up the hill that man senselessly did certain things even though it's not the right thing just to see that jesus is the one who has done far exceedingly than what samson did he has shaken the gates of hell so that you can be set free so that you can be you can be plumbing uh, that image be restored in you that your dominion should be restored you should walk in power as child of god Thanks for joining us at Omega. If you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or simply to find out more, please head to our website or Facebook page in the links below.